when you can't. Getting used to the new normal um, is going to take a little while. Not all done one day, one Sunday. Not, we'll still be, I'm sure, getting used to some things. <clears throat> in the weeks to come, when you came in, you should have gotten a welcome. Just a slip of paper says welcome. Got a QR code on it for those of you who know what a QR code is. You got a smartphone, it's probably got a QR code reader on it, even if you've never used it and didn't know it was on there. But all this is is our way of keeping the track of who's here today. That's all. Why do we need to do that? Well, we have to take precautions in the time of COVID. Somebody calls us back and said, found out after I left service that I tested positive. If people need to do some tracking and tracing, then we need to be able to say who's here today. So all you do when you go with your QR reader is go in, there's a little form that you just put your name in, and we got a list of who's here. That's all it is. And of course, Theris is going to have the list that you can just fill out by hand, for those of you who are not comfortable with that process. But we just need to get a, a good list of who was here. Not that we keep an attendance on you, but we keep an attendance on you. <laughs> just to <laughs> let you know, we are. Uh, this period of time has been tough for me because what ended up happening immediately as we got into the cyber sanctuary um, celebration is my pacing was thrown off in terms of preaching because I was trying to fit everything into a period of time so that we could be online and all the folk were coming at me and I'm reading all the stuff saying uh, if the service is longer than an hour then people are probably going to flip the TV off and move on or flip the screen off and move on. And so psychologically that affected me um, because I'm trying to make sure that the service is in a, uh, a space where people will listen to it. Pacing for a preacher is important. P pacing for a preacher is, I mean, for a speaker is important. It's, it's, it's important because it's how you do what you're doing for s 16 years. I've been going at one pace. <laughs> And I can tell you this, learning how to have your own voice when you preach is important. Not preaching like anybody else or doing it like anybody else, but just doing it the way Andre does it has been so crucial to me because you can listen to so many people and you start picking up what they do, but you can't do it like anybody else. You just have to do it the way God gives it to you. And so to suddenly have to redirect my own process has been difficult. You wouldn't know it. Maybe you wouldn't know it. I don't know. But the only way I knew that my pacing was off was when I started listening to old sermons. We started playing those sermons back, and I started realizing I'm talking in a whole different speed. I'm saying things in a whole different way, and that's because I was, I was not uncomfortable in those times. And so as we move forward, I've got to figure out how to get Andre's pacing back together in this scheme. And I can tell you right now, when we're in this hybrid setting, because we'll have the cyber sanctuary going at the same time. It's going right now. It's going right now. People are online listening. People are online watching. Um, uh, and thank God for them because we got people who never will step foot in 45th Street who have been consistently a part of our worship service since we got started. And we thank God for you. So I'm saying hey to all y'all out there in Cyberland. Thank God for you. 
I'm saying thank God for you, and I'm asking you, whenever you come this way, come on into 7600 Division Avenue, but let us know you're coming so we can celebrate you uh, when we come. And as I continue to work on my pacing, just know it's probably going to go a little bit longer. Today was going to be different anyway. <laughs> hey, I'm just saying it. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, not, I'm just saying it. I, look, I, I know. <laughs> I'm not trying to set you up for the Okado. We're gonna be a little bit longer today anyway because of the service, the little bit we just did, and all the announcements. It'll get better. It'll get better as we get the pacing down, and we'll be back to a more normal time. You'll still get in, get out in time, and be one of the first ones in line at Ruth. Don't act like, don't act like y'all don't know about Ruth or Rubens. Yeah, one of these places where you go get oxtail for thirty dollars a plate. Yeah, we won't buy oxtails, but we'll buy fine steak. That's all it is. Yeah. And so I just, the Lord asked me to send a send a little message to you today, it's from a scripture he. He directed me to in Matthew. It's a familiar passage of scripture for most of us. It's Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. That's a question he wanted me to come and to ask you. And I, what, I, what I love about the Lord is how he, the Lord Jesus, is that he simplifies things. And I, I think sometimes we overcomplicate the message, the salvation story. I think we overcomplicate it when it needs to be just as simple as it can be so that people can understand it. And, and so when you understand that Jesus came for us and he died for us and was resurrected for us, and you understand that all we're supposed to do once we receive that story is tell other folks that story so that they can receive Jesus Christ themselves. All we do is keep replicating that. That's all. And whenever we're putting something in place that complicates that message, then that's a problem. And so today, I think this message will highlight that for us. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 reads, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a, on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus used this example when he was in what we call a marathon preaching segment that we've called from a theological standpoint, historical standpoint, the Sermon on the Mount. It's a famous passage of scripture. He uses two very powerful metaphors, two very powerful examples to describe who we are as people. 
And these are common examples that everyone can understand. He calls us both salt and he refers to us as light. Yes, if you're a believer in him, then you have the qualities of salt and you have the qualities of light. They're vastly different in how they work, salt and light. For example, for, for instance, salt is hidden, but light is obvious. Salt works secretively, while light works openly. Salt works from within. Light works, obviously, from without. Salt speaks of the indirect influence of the gospel, while light speaks, direct, speaks to its direct communication. Salt is largely negative. It can stop corruption, but it cannot change corruption into incorruption. Light, however, is more positive. It will not only reveal what's wrong and false, but it helps to reveal what is righteous and what is true. Yeah, we are salt and we are light. And so when Jesus calls us salt and light, what he's doing is telling us that we are left in this world for influence. That's the word, for influence. And the influence is not for our own personal come up. The influence is to show the way to the Lord. That's our purpose. It's not so that we can become celebrities in the movement. No, it's not so that people can cheer us because of our relationship. It's simply to point the way to the Lord. And somehow we've gotten two crossways on what being in the body of Christ means. We've got celebrity preachers who ought to be pointing the way just to the Lord. And instead, it's just to themselves. And that trickles down and confuses everybody because folks say, how can I be that when it seems to be so much? We've got Preachers who have no problem validating the fact that they're supposed to be multimillionaires while the folk around them are struggling to pay their light bill. They have no problem taking money from the church and buying Ferraris and multi-room mansions. Now, I don't know about you, but it didn't seem like that's what Jesus was talking about when he came to earth. Now you tell me about that. I don't get the impression when he says the meek shall inherit the earth. I didn't get the impression that he was talking about that. He said we're supposed to be salt so we can stop the corruption in this world. And we're supposed to be light so we can help dispel the confusion that we find all around us. Salt and light are both miracles. I hope y'all know that. Both of them are miracles. Oh yeah, see salt is composed of two chemical agents that individually are dangerous. But somehow the Lord allows those two individual agents to come together and be helpful. Can't nobody do that but God now. 
Yeah, and we think God can't put men who don't like each other together. He's been showing he has the ability to put dangerous things together and bring peace from it, and we deal with it every day. In fact, so much so that you got to have this dangerous combination in your body to live healthily. That's how he is. Both of them are destructive individually. But when they're together, they are stable, edible, and valuable. Stable together. Valuable together. And edible together. And so while both of these things speak, light and salt speak to what our role ought to be in this world, I want to concentrate today just on the aspect of us being light. Just light. And I want to ask you a simple question today, and you ask yourself the same question. Is your flashlight on? Is your flashlight on? Is your flashlight on? Why do you think Jesus used this metaphor of light? And the truth of the matter is, our physical life would be absolutely impossible without light. Let me see if I can put it into a more educational standard. Light is the source of food generation for every living organism on the earth. It's it's the source of where they get their energy, how they grow. Every living being depends on, practically every living being depends on light for food and energy. Plants require light to synthesize their own food materials so that they can live and grow. Walk with me on this now. From those plants, animals get their required food material and the energy they need to live. So plants depend on sunlight for their food, and animals depend on plants, and we depend on plants and animals for food. That's not to mention the fact that we need light to see, light to recognize colors, and light to maintain a livable temperature because without light, we wouldn't have appropriate heat. And without heat, the earth would freeze. Do you know that scientists in Japan have created a paint color that if properly, properly reproduced, will do away with air conditioning in houses? Yeah, sounds crazy, doesn't it? Yeah, because the color of the, of the paint is so white that it will prevent the absorption, that will allow, I'm sorry, the absorption of more heat. And it will block the dangerous heat rays so you can maintain a stable temperature in your home. and You won't need air conditioning. You can bet it will never come into being. If nobody else, the air conditioning industry is absolutely going to make sure that that never comes into being because it'll put all those folk out of business. Think about all the people tied to the air conditioning industry, not just the manufacturers, but those who repair it. Oh, yeah, it'd be a problem. So for every good, y'all, there's some bad that comes with it. We need light to dry out the soil, but we also need light to evaporate the water so that we can have the rain that's needed for us to have water to drink. 
light is essential to how we operate. In fact, scientists and doctors will tell you that if you live in a light-deprived space, you have medical problems associated with the fact that you are not getting enough exposure to light. How many of y'all been told by your doctor you need to get out and walk some and get some sunshine? You don't have enough, what is it, K-vitamins. You need to get out there and absorb, what is it called? Vitamin D. And, and you can get vitamin D from simply going outside and walking in the sunshine. Somebody ought to say, thank you, Lord, for letting light be, in a, be as powerful as it is. You don't have to put it in a bottle. All you have to do is walk out on the porch, and you get what you need. From who? From light. So not only does, does the earth need light to survive physically, we do too. We do too. But not just physically is what we're all about. If we were just about what we needed for our physical body, we wouldn't be here this morning. We know that there's something more important and something essential to us, and that is to have a strong spiritual life. There's a, because God is spirit, and those of us who worship him have to learn how to worship him in spirit and in truth. And so the question is, how does light play into our spiritual walk? The biggest compliment Jesus Christ could ever pay to us is to tell somebody that they're the light of the world. Say, you are the light of the world. And so that helps us simplify why we are here. It puts into perspective, y'all, what our mission is. Our mission is to simply be light, to simply be able to expose Jesus Christ to other folk. Now, we do it in a number of ways, but it's essential that that is our mission to expose other people to Jesus Christ. No matter the program or process we go through, everything ought to be about who? Jesus. It ought to point to him. Every aspect of our ministry should direct us back to Jesus Christ. We are to tell them who he is and how to live with them. So if you'll agree with me that it seems as if we need light more than ever, I want you to hear this now. In this land that we're in now, in this country we're in now, how many of y'all, just by a show of amen, how many of y'all think we're living in some dark times right now? Yeah, when I read in the paper that a 13-year-old boy was sitting on his bed looking at his iPad and somebody came and shot the house up and now that mama is grieving the loss of a 13-year-old who knew nothing that was going on in Tuscaloosa just this weekend, when I see people who will go out and harm children who have nothing to do with them, I think we're living in some dark times. Yeah, when I see people who will, who will steal from you, who will rob you, who will take yours and run with it, and then deny it while you're looking at them with it, I think we're living in some dark times. Yeah, when I see what's going on in our nation's capital, that people who've been elected to represent everybody in their district don't seem to be forgetting or remembering that everybody means everybody. <laughs> yeah, not just the ones who vote for you, but everybody in your district. I think we're living in some dark times. When people can't sit in school board meetings and talk about things about the children without bringing politics in it, I think we're living in some dark times. Sadly, though, many of them do it under the name of Christ. 
Many of them do it and say they are working for the cause of Christ. Something's got to be wrong, church family, when somebody's using Christ to justify doing wrong. I don't know what that light is. Maybe that's a strobe light. That might not be the light that we need to have going on. Or maybe that's a night light. I don't know. But whatever it is, it's not the light that I think Jesus Christ was talking about. When we need some light in some dark places. Why is that? First of all, because light is powerful. Oh, it's powerful. Light is an amazing thing. Why? Because it does not have physical properties. Light doesn't have physical properties. But it can have a profound impact on physical objects. Watch this now. Just like the spirit, right? The spirit doesn't have physical properties, but the spirit can have a profound impact on a physical object. How do I know that? Because the spirit can tell me what to do. Oh, yeah, the spirit can say, get up, Andre. The spirit can tell me how to treat somebody. Shake that man's hand. Do you, do you listen to the spirit like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the spirit doesn't have any physical qualities, Richard, but it can make folk do right. The Holy Spirit can. I know he can. I know he can because the bad that I wanted to do, I didn't do. Why? Because the Holy Spirit stopped me from doing it. I, I wish I could tell you today and point to the suit the Spirit had on, but I can't tell you that. All I know is he came and he shook me. And he made me act right. I wonder if anybody else in here understands what I'm talking about, that you were traveling wrong, but the Spirit turned you around and made you do right. I bet somebody else in here understands that. I hope you'll help me today to say that because the Spirit is able to do it, then I have an understanding how light can be that powerful too. Because it doesn't have any physical qualities, and yet it can make you do some things physically. If you would one day, just when you have an opportunity, come in this sanctuary when it's dark and just see how different it is. When light is not present in this sanctuary, there is a completely different feel in this room. It's amazing how it can affect your mood just the absence of light in a place. It's bright and cheery in here right now because light is present in here. But when you come in and it's dark, Lindbergh, you got to watch your steps. Yeah, yeah. I stepped in the grate over there. I almost broke my leg trying to get out of here. To say I was scared was, is an understatement. They were doing some renovations. I almost broke my leg. Stepped in that hole right over there where that grate is. Why? Because there was an absence of light in this place. And just like that, I, I wonder if there's an absence of light in my physical life and I almost step in a hole. I wonder what happens in your spiritual life. When you're walking in darkness and you don't have anyone lighting your way, I bet some of us have stepped in some holes along the way. I bet you stepped in a hole in your life and some of us didn't almost break something. You did break something because you stepped in that hole because you didn't have any light. Light can overpower darkness, though. Oh, yeah, this, 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 this absence of light can create problems, but when light is there, it's strong. 
It can overpower darkness. The entrance, watch this, watch this. In the spiritual sense, the Bible says, the entrance of thy words giveth light. It giveth understanding unto the simple. Psalms 119 and 130 says, um, um, thy word is, I'm sorry, 119 and 105 says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So just like in the physical sense, we need light, we also need light in the spiritual sense. It's interesting to me that Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 5 and 14 that you are the light of the world. He told his disciples that. You are the light of the world. He telling us that. We are the light of the world. But what's amazing about that, Karen, is in John 8 and 12, Jesus says that I am, speaking about himself, first person, he said, I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He said that. Now, so Jesus says that he is the light of the world, and then he turned around and he said that we are the light of the world. So which one is it? And the answer is both. He is the light of the world. And we are the light of the world reflecting him from us. It's not our reflection that we're giving, but it's the Jesus that's in us. So not only is he the light of the world, you are too the light of the world. And so the light you're reflecting isn't you, it's him. And so I came to ask you this morning, is your flashlight on? Are you showing people the way because of the Jesus that's in, that's in you? You don't have to look a certain way. You don't have to be from a certain neighborhood. You don't have to have a certain degree or be, have a certain pedigree. No, he's able to use anybody. If you will just allow the light of the world to that's in you from Jesus to come out, then you too are the light of the world. Now, why do I know this? Because he was talking to, at the time, when he was uh, giving the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus was talking in northern Galilee, is physically where he was, but he was talking to the villagers at that time. Yeah, he was talking to the fishermen, the farmers, the day workers. He was talking to the people who were at the bottom of the economic, uh, uh, the economic ladder. He was not talking to the philosophers from Athens. No, no, no. He wasn't talking to the PhDs in Alexandria. And he certainly wasn't talking to the generals who were in Rome. He was telling the everyday person, you are the light of the world. Do you know how empowering it is to tell people who think they have nothing, who believe they get the short end of the stick all the time, that you are as powerful as you will be if you'll let Jesus Christ be a part of your life. And so I'm here telling you today, Jesus was talking to the folk from Mayberry. Oh, yeah. He was talking to the Beverly Hillbillies. He was talking to folk who had nothing and telling them that they were something. Why? Because they represented somebody who was everything. And I came to tell you today that you're more powerful than you think you are if you'll simply let the light in you come out. So do you have your flashlight on? Is it on? 
Are you showing somebody? I, I want to beg you to get rid of this idea, if you will, that there are just a few people in the world that are the light of the world. For some reason, we think it's got to be the T.D. Jakes of the world or even some of the local preachers, the big preachers. They are the light of the world. No, 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 no. Not, not even just me and Reverend K. We're not just the light of the world. We are, but it's not just us. It's everybody that's in here. And how can that be? How can that be? Because we reflect him in the capacity that he's given us, just like we're asking you to reflect him in the capacity that you're in. Your job matters only in that you may be able to reach more folk. You may be able to help more people from the position he has you in. And why is that? Because light penetrates. Oh, yeah, light penetrates. I'm so glad that the students in Fairfield have a flashlight in front of them in the music department. Because some of them do not have a flashlight at the house. Some of them are walking in darkness in Bessemer, but they got a flashlight in the music department. I came to tell you that if you turn your flashlight on where you are, then it can penetrate the light situations that some folk are going through. So my question to you is, is your flashlight, is it on? Light can penetrate institutions. Oh yeah, it can penetrate institutions. One thing I can tell you is that the leadership at the city of Birmingham doesn't have any problem turning this flashlight on. Oh, oh, no, there's no problem with that. Now, that doesn't mean some folk hide from the light when you turn it on. Some folk turn their back on the light. They don't want it to shine on them. What I tell you, the Lord said, Andre, just do your part. I can't make folk, we can't make folk accept the light. All we can do is let our little, come on now, just let it shine because it can penetrate. It can penetrate. Lord, help us to have a school system full of flashlights on. Yeah. Even in places that you don't think are appropriate, you can let your light shine in the jail cell. Oh, yeah, and it can help somebody analyze why they are there. If you listen to Bible, if you were on Bible study this past week, we saw Paul and Silas let their light shine at midnight while they have been locked up and beaten unfairly. If you heard them, see, uh, then you understood that at midnight after they had been beaten to, almost to death, they, instead of getting in the corner and whimpering, they let their light shine, and they were singing hymns, and when they turned their light on, guess what happened? The folk in the jail started listening. And even though the earthquake came and opened all the doors in the jail, because their light was shining, none of the prisoners ran away. And even though the jailer knew he was about to die because all the prisoners could have escaped, the light was shining. And Paul said, don't kill yourself. And he saved not only a jailer, but he saved the jailer's whole family. Why? Because he let his light shine. I came to tell you that if we want 45th Street, to be all that God intended for it to be, it only starts when we let our light shine. Each and every one of us individually, because people will follow the light. 
people will come and celebrate where light is. People don't want to be around mess and darkness, but they'll follow, they'll follow the light. And so if you just let your light shine, folk going to want to say, where you get that? Tell me what must I do also, just like that jailer said this, this Wednesday night in Bible study. When he saw the light shining from Paul, he asked the one question that we want all our folk to ask. And it's, what must I do to be saved? Because not only does light penetrate institutions, wherever God placed you, he placed you there so you can turn your flashlight on. Oh, yeah. Now, you ain't got to be the kind to come in in the morning if you got a desk and open your Bible up on the desk in the middle of it so that everybody can come asking you. You don't have to do that. It's not that necessary. But if you have a Bible on your desk because it's there for you to use, there's nothing wrong with you having a conversation with somebody about it. You ain't got to be the up in your face all the time. Yeah. We got a light like that at the house. You know the one that you get up, you're already in darkness, and then all of a sudden it turns on real quick and almost blinds you. That's what we do sometimes with our faith in folks' faces. You know, they're walking in darkness, they're struggling, and all of a sudden we're in their face blaring about Jesus Christ. That'll make you put your hand up. But you tell me what's more important, one of those lights like that, or is it a night light? <laughs> the one that's just lit so you can get up and go to the bathroom without tripping over something. Which is more important? I can tell you at this age that it's the one, that, that little night light. Yeah, that can show folk the way out of darkness safely without yelling, here I am, look at me, light penetrates. Not only does it penetrate institutions and individuals, light has the ability to turn folk who are lost back from their ways. Yeah, purpose of the light is simply as a witness to the lost. That's all. To let folk know that you're living in a way that's going to lead you to a, a, an end that you don't want. Because we were all in that place. I think sometimes we walk this pathway of salvation so long, we forget that I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply staying within. And I, too, was sinking to rise no more. But one day the master of the sea heard my despairing plea. I, forget, I think we forget that sometimes. We get so safe in our salvation, so secure in our salvation, that we forget once we get on shore, it's our job to make sure other folk can get to the safety as well. That's important. And so light is a witness to the lost, but it's also a witness to the Lord. It's a witness to the Lord. There's no greatest witness, greater witness to someone who's born again than reflecting the light of the Lord in that service. Where you are, just let folk know you love the Lord. There's no more powerful testimony than a life that displays the proof of his presence in your life. See, I see the light emanating from this deacon sitting up here who's been coming here all his life in this church. And his continuous presence is not only a credit to him, but it's also a credit to the Lord in his life. Because, see, I know the circumstances through which he's arrived here. I know the testimony his life brings today. I know what he's lost in his life. I know how significant they are. And the fact that through it all, he's still here celebrating the Lord tells me that that must be a good God. 
that's taking care of him. And when I look around the room and I see you and what you've been through, I can tell you God's been mighty good to a whole lot of y'all. And so that's why I came to ask you today, are you letting your flashlight stay on or are you flicking it off? What are you doing? Are you turning it off in your house? Because it's making folk uncomfortable at the house. Now, now, you ought to first start making sure in your house this little light of mine is shining. You, you might not want me to have it on, but in my house, my flashlight going to stay on. Yeah, and it's going to tell you how I live. But make sure now that your home is fit for the light to be in in the first place. That might be why some of us turn our light off, because we're doing some dark things in the house. Oh, somebody was supposed to say, amen, Reverend. I wasn't supposed to have a quiet point there. Yeah, but it's the truth. It's the truth. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. There was a TV evangelist, I mean a TV show with a preacher on it, the pastor of a large church in a city. And he was the founder of a program entitled Evangelism Explosion. He was invited to the TV show, one of those daytime TV shows. You've seen people on it. Some of you have been on one of them where they bring you in at the noon daytime and they talk about whatever it is, whatever venture you're in. And the host invited him to the show to discuss evangelism explosion. And she started asking him how he was able to take his Christian, his Christian program and bring it before a secular audience and, re and receive success. And the, the, the minister was at first a little curious as to where she was going because he knew that if he continued in the discussion, what he'd have to do is explain salvation and what it meant. And, and so he asked the reporter to clarify herself, and he said, are you sure that this program is what you want me to have this discussion? Because we know when we go on TV, we're not supposed to be openly evangelizing unto folk. And the woman was a little bit more direct in her question. He said, she said, tell me what you say to folk when you want them to follow the pathway you're laying out. And so seeing a door opening, the preacher took the opportunity to explain the pathway to salvation as he would to anyone else. And the reporter simply nodded and was thanking him for his opportunity to come on and to share. Well, when they cut to a commercial, she, he said to her, are you sure you're going to broadcast that? Because I'm not certain you want that to go out. And she said, oh, yeah, we want it to go out. She said, I'll tell you why in a few minutes, because we're live right now. And so they came back on, and she went through the rest of the program, and she thanked him for everything he's done. He's curious now because he knows under normal circumstances he would not have been able to tell folk as openly on a TV show about the plan of salvation. But when the show was over, he went to her and he said, I got a feeling this might be your last day on the job because you just opened me up. You, I mean, you just opened yourself up to a problem. And she said, I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried about that. She said, you see that cameraman right there? She said, a few years ago, I was letting my light shine, and I invited him to Christ. So I knew he wasn't going to cut away from the scene. And she said, you see that woman over there? That's the producer. 
three years ago, I was letting my light shine, and I invited her to Christ. So I knew she wasn't going to stop me from putting it on there. And the president of this company, five years ago when I came to this show, I told him how much I loved the Lord and told him what he had done to me, and I invited him to Christ as well. And so everybody in this place is a believer. Why? Because we let our light shine. So I knew this was the perfect opportunity for you to come in and share the Lord with you share the Lord with all these other people. And so what I came to tell you today is sometimes we're hesitant for no reason. Okay. Maybe the Lord has already laid the pathway clear for you to share the good news of Jesus Christ with somebody else. We always put stuff in our way saying, well, you know, on my job, I can't talk about Jesus. Just do your part. You don't have to tell nobody else what to do, all you got to do is tell them what the Lord has done for you. And nobody can stop you from talking about how good God has been to you. They can't shut you down from testifying about how good God has been to you. Let your light shine. Turn your flashlight on. Stop turning your flashlight off before you get in situations. And if you keep your flashlight on, I guarantee you, you'll light the pathway to somebody. I love you today. I'm glad to see you today. But can I tell you this? I'm not as glad to see you as the Lord is happy for us to be together. The devil ain't happy today. Oh, he's not. Let me tell you why. Because if it was up to him, we would never get back together. We would never open the doors and invite anybody in. And the fact that you are here as believers and leaders means that he got some work to do. But we do too. And all we got to do is make sure that this little light of mine, we keep letting it shine. Everywhere we go, we're going to let it shine. In my house, on my job, with my spouse, with my children, I'm going to let it shine. And if there's somebody here today, who never understood that Jesus Christ came and gave his life, was crucified and resurrected for them, today is the day I'm inviting you to accept that knowledge and to give your life to him. Maybe not here, maybe somebody who's in the cyber sanctuary has come to that realization. I'm asking you to do this right now because obviously you can't physically come join us, but you can pray this prayer. Father, I thank you for being so good to me. I thank you for dying for me, and I thank God for resurrecting you. And I realize now that you're my Savior. Now I'm asking you to be not only my Savior, but to be my Lord. Guide me the rest of the days of my life. And we thank you for who you are. And we thank you for dying for us. And we lift this prayer in your holy and righteous name. Amen. Amen. Amen.